0: Welcome to the Radio Bible Course and our continuing study of Hebrews chapter 10. We're dealing with a controversial passage which many people say applies to Christians. I take a different view. They say that Hebrews 10.26 and the following verses is talking about Christians who sin deliberately after receiving the gospel. And they see those people as losing their salvation. The question is... Will sin cause you to lose salvation, which was promised by God through grace alone? And if sin will cause you to forfeit salvation, which sins specifically, and how many sins, those questions have to be answered, else no one could ever know that he was saved. Yet John the Apostle wrote, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Is it possible to know, to be sure? Well, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. And our salvation is something that we trust God for alone because he has asked us to believe a promise. When the Jews... In John chapter 6, came to Jesus after being fed, and they were among the 5,000 who were fed there miraculously. They said, what shall we do that we might be doing the works of God? And Jesus said, this is the work of God, that you believe in the one God has sent. Salvation is believing in the Christ. God is giving salvation as a free gift. So it is declared in the Roman epistle. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Some of our listeners may not be familiar with this section in Hebrews chapter 10 beginning with verse 26, so I want to read four verses. For if we sin deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, There no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful prospect of judgment and a fury of fire which will consume the adversaries. A man who has violated the law of Moses dies without mercy at the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the man who has spurned the Son of God and profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and outraged the spirit of grace. He mentions there about being sanctified and profane the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified. Many people take that and say that proves that these people were Christians, and therefore, if they sinned thereafter, they would have no more salvation. What does sanctified mean? Well, it means to be set apart. But one can be set apart in various ways, and we have an example of another way of being set apart in addition to being set apart as God's own people. We have an example of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I'm reading from verse 12. To the rest I say, not the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. If any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever, and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is consecrated or sanctified through his wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified through her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean. But as it is, they are holy." Paul is telling these Corinthian Christians that the unbelieving husband—he hasn't believed in Christ, that is—he is sanctified by his believing wife. Does that mean that he is a Christian because his wife has believed? Hardly. The New Testament won't uphold that. What does it mean, then? It means that he is reaping benefits by being the husband of a Christian woman. He doesn't get salvation by her faith, but he gets a lot of other good things. He lives in a home where there is truth, love, patience, joy, peace, and many other blessings. Would you want to live in a city where there was not a single believer in Jesus Christ? It would be a vicious society, without decency, where people lived for their own pleasure. The great countries of the world are those where the gospel has brought the blessings of kindness, fairness, love, and liberty. That's quite a contrast to some of the countries in the Mideast, for example, where they show no mercy toward people, where children are abused, and life is cheap. Now we move on to verse 30, where the writer reminds those Hebrews... That none will escape God's judgment. And he quotes from Deuteronomy 32. Listen to verse 30. For we know him who said, vengeance is mine. I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. What did Moses write in Deuteronomy 32? Listen to it beginning with verse 35. It is mine to avenge. I will repay. In due time their foot will slip, their day of disaster is near, and their doom rushes upon them. The Lord will judge his people and have compassion on his servants. When he sees their strength is gone and no one is left, slave or free. The Hebrew writer is reminding them that God does judge his people. And in verse 31 he writes, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. For those who will not accept the loving arms of the Father, they of necessity must face the judgment of his hands. Many people live in fear of this, and rightly so, for they have not believed the gospel of grace. I myself lived in fear for many years as a teenager, fearful of God. I knew he was a God of justice and that someday he would require me to pay for my sins. But then I heard about the grace of our God, that he sent Jesus Christ and punished him in my place. He put my sins upon him so I wouldn't have to suffer and die for my sins and lose my life for eternity. Jesus Christ paid it in full. He paid what the law demanded, and God has offered me eternal life, by doing nothing more than believing in the one who purchased it for me. Verse 31 is a strong warning to those Jews who were on the verge of turning from the gospel to return to Judaism's empty sacrifices and rituals. Now, this was not a strange defection, because there have always been people who would hear the gospel, pretend they believed, and then or abandoned the gospel and have gone back to their hopeless lives. We saw that in the first century, and we see it today. We even hear of ministers who leave their ministry and go into the world, and we wonder, how could he have done that? Has he lost his salvation? Well, friends, the best answer is he never had salvation. Those who believe in Jesus Christ learn that The Lord is gracious. I recall years ago when I was teaching a Bible class on the LSU campus, and the first representatives of Campus Crusade for Christ arrived. They wanted to start their work on the campus, and I cooperated with them. The first director of Campus Crusade for Christ on the LSU campus turned from the gospel and went back into the world. He became a hippie. Now, don't be surprised at that. Many people associate with the gospel and with churches, but they have never committed their souls to the safety of Christ's salvation. About five years ago, there was another student on the campus, and he had been active in Campus Crusade and was one of their leaders. He came to my class one Sunday morning, and afterward he told me, I became a Christian in your class. I said, I find that difficult to believe because you have told me that you taught Bible classes and you did evangelism work on the campus with students. What do you mean you became a Christian? And he said, I never understood grace. And that Sunday morning when I came to your class, you were explaining the meaning of grace. And it was the first time I had understood that. Well, that man is in seminary today, studying so he can be more effective for Jesus Christ. Friends, there are millions of people who call themselves Christians, but not many of them believe God. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. How narrow is God's gate? It's so narrow that it has only one entrance, and it is called the door. Jesus said, I am the door. If any man enters by me, he will be saved. Listen to what Jesus said about the many ways that men claim will bring them to God. John 14:6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus further spoke about false disciples. He said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord shall enter the kingdom of heaven but he who does the will of my father who is in heaven on that day many will say to me lord lord did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name and then i will declare to them i never knew you depart from me you evil doers how can they be evil doers if they cast out demons and prophesy in the name of Christ. Their evilness is their failure to believe. They are men who practice religion and get a good bit of attention and fame for doing it. Anyone can say he is a Christian. Anyone can act like a Christian by attending church. At the judgment, I don't expect God to ask a man if he attended church services. That practice is not at all critical. He won't even need to ask you if you believe, because God already knows whether you do. And if you don't, the wrath of God abides on you. Now, in the present life, it abides on you. And the only way the wrath of God will be lifted is by faith in God's wonderful Son. Those who believe in him, he will not reject. How will men who won't rely on the Savior's work for salvation, be able to stand before the Father who sent that Savior. What excuses might they give? God's judgment will be this. You didn't believe the only true God. Has God spoken? Yes, and very clearly. Where? In His Word. His Word is the only reliable source for information about what God wants us to know. And now this word in closing. How much grace will it take to save Saddam Hussein or Adolf Hitler? We are inclined to say that it will take much more grace to save them than it will Billy Graham or the Pope or perhaps you. But the answer is it takes the same amount of grace, 100%. All this is explained more fully in our Grace Booklet, which is free to our listeners. Write for a copy. Ask for the free Grace Booklet. Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calipoda reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.